Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the EKN Radio Network, another edition of our EKN Debrief Podcast, where David Cole and myself, Rob Howden, talk about an event that we have most recently traveled to. And this one's going to be a little bit different. Episode number 51, it's currently July 11th. We're about four days from being at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. David Cole and I getting our first opportunity uh, last weekend to compete in the USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard. Uh, just an absolutely incredible event. So this is going to be a little bit different of a deeper podcast, David Cole, because you and I, I, I wasn't calling the races. You weren't sitting at your laptop covering events, you know, posting results to social media, watching every turn, or, and go, or going out and, you know, shooting shots. You and I were racing. <laughs> we had our helmets on with suits on. I did double duty, actually triple duty. You started with one class, but ended up trying to run both Ignite Senior and Ignite Master from the tail of the field um, on Sunday. A different debrief here today. Uh, again, the 2019 USAC Cardi Battle at the Brickyard at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Before I present the uh, the presenting sponsor of the show, I'll just bring you in and say hello because, man, that was a great weekend. It was a it was a weekend without even touching the camera. I took the camera out and I gave it to people and. We, we didn't have the batteries charged, so it barely barely worked at all. Um, I didn't type on my computer at all throughout the weekend. I was on my phone all weekend doing, you know, social media yep. stuff here and there, you know, occasional updates as, as much as I could. Um, yes, as you said, it was, it was a weekend to don the racing helmet and to be back behind the wheel of a cart, of a racing cart, and going wheel to wheel, which is something that we don't often get to do. Yeah, get a chance to kind of remind ourselves why we do this in the first place. Both David Cole and I have been racing carts for many, many years. Uh, but when you get into the industry side of stuff, ask any golf pro or, or something like that. Once you get into the industry side, you don't do that. You don't do the sport as much as you used to because you're busy covering races or teaching someone golf, whatever it may be. So again, this is episode 51, a little bit different EKN debrief. Yeah, we're going to go over the, the usual overview. We'll jump into the paddock pass. Uh, you know, David and I will do a very quick kind of race report, more talking about the guys and girls who actually were able to do well. Um, when we do go to the second half of the race report, we're going to talk more about our own racing, kind of give you an update on how David and I did trackside. Uh, and then we'll cap things off, as we always do, with the EKN Trackside Live race calendar. This week's show, this week's EKN Debrief, presented by Margay Racing. Are you interested in renting a cart at one of the biggest karting events this summer? Do you want to be part of the fastest growing race group in the sport? If so, check out Margay Racing's Spec Ignite class and their arrive and drive packages. As we said, upcoming events were the USAC Karting Battle of the Brickyard. They're also going to be at the 25th running of the Rock Island Grand Prix on Labor Day weekend. For more information, please visit margay.com or call 800-562-7429 today. So if you're thinking about going to the Rock Island Grand Prix, and you don't want to bring all your stuff, you want to fly in and have some fun, I'll tell you, the Margay Ignite program, and I can tell you now, David has been able to, but I can tell you from experience, uh, the Margay Ignite program, unbelievable. I've got a chance to be with them all weekend long, and it is something special for sure. So if you want to just fly into the Rock Island Grand Prix, 25th running of that race this year, um, contact the guys at Margay because uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, trust me. All right, David, uh, let's, let's jump into the overview here of the 2019 USAC Carding battle at the Brickyard within the walls of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Third edition of the event. Um, and for a couple of guys who don't get a chance to race a lot, the weather was fantastic except for a bit of rain 
on Saturday night. But, dude, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. It was warm temperatures. Uh, you typically get that uh, during the July months, especially in Indiana. There's yeah. really nothing there stopping you know, the weather systems rolling in, as we saw Saturday afternoon with the storms that came through. Yeah. Uh, but the, the temperatures, it was the heat index that really got to everybody because it was near a 100-degree index and makes for a very a warm weekend, especially when you're around the pavement, which is reading almost 130 degrees uh, temperature-wise. Yeah. So it, it made for things to – you wanted to be in, in the shade or in, a, in front of a, a big, powerful fan. <laughs> I know that we were all sucking back water and Gatorade as much as we could. And it was interesting I, as Mike Birdsell, who was tuning on my, uh, my Ignite chassis, it was hot enough that I, I, I sweat all the time. Well, I, man, I'll tell you, my suit, I, was, I got had my Sparco suit. <laughs> it was getting heavier and heavier as the day went on because everything I drank sweated out into the suit. So I think we probably could have started pulling weights off by the end of the day because everything I drank uh, was essentially sweating out into my suit. It was it was that hot, although, like you said, David, there was some a, a bit of a breeze, which was nice. If you can get in front of a fan, man, that was that was magic right there, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's just you know it's part of the summer months you, you have. Uh, you know, it, it probably would have been a lot better to be at a beach, yeah. but <laughs> with the way the weather, I don't with know the way the weather was with the way the weather was. But you, True. you know, it was beach that's weather. the thing about racing is you, you can never predict what the weather's going to do or. or or how, how it's going to affect the weekend outcome. And, you know, thankfully, you know, as the storms did roll through uh, uh, Saturday afternoon, we had to cancel the rest of the uh, the weekend or the rest of the day. And USAC was able to put together the eight of the 13 pre-finals on Sunday morning and, and five lap dashes and then uh, get all main events uh, at their full 14 lap distance. So, so kudos to them for being able to uh, to work around that. Yeah, it felt like lots of track time. Everybody getting three practice rounds and qualifying on Friday. Uh, there was a, an eight-lap heat and a 10-lap pre-final, as you said, David, on Saturday. But, uh, again, they only were able to get five of those 10-lap pre-finals in. As you said, we kind of all kind of waited at, at the end of the day on Saturday, wondering what was going to happen. USAC eventually, as you said, coming out with the, the, the shortened pre-finals, kind of jammed them in as, in place of uh, morning warm-up um, to be able to get you know get get the guys back on the race. If you had trouble in the heat race, you wanted that pre-final to potentially be able to, to claw yourself back forward. So a couple of five-lap dashes that both of you, you and I drove in. Full 14-lap main events. Um, uh, and it was, it was, I personally loved the. I think the track was fantastic. But man, those fourteen lap main events. It was interesting because you saw the halfway point, and I was like, "Come on, let's get this thing done." I'm, I'm feeling pretty good here. Let's let's get this thing done to the end. But David, in the end, anytime you have an event like this, you'll want to see growth. You want to see stability, either or. Uh, overall, pretty solid numbers. Four hundred and thirty nine total entries in two thousand eighteen. You're you're writing down here four hundred and fifty four total entries in two thousand nineteen. Uh, some of the classes dropping down a little bit, others coming up. Some really good ones getting more drivers, which I think were key. But the bottom line is impressive numbers in 206 with the Briggs. Great numbers for the Ignite categories as well. But really, all in all, some pretty solid numbers. For the most part, it was a, a growth in all most of the categories, as you said. We had a couple that were down maybe one or two, but yeah. uh, you had some new additions. You had Margay Ignite Jr. joining in. They had added 10. You had the KA100 Jr. That added 14. So new entries in, in those categories. 
and new people to to the event and that's the great thing is in total we had four junior classes so it's it's great to have youth being part of it and when i say youth it's good to have the junior ages because it's a little bit uh, a little bit of a safer run not uh, you know if we throw start throwing in cadets then it's going to take away from all the other categories we already have in in the in the program and then we're going to have to start shortening up things and and situations like that so uh, but overall if you look at numbers as you said the five four hundred and fifty four sixty six percent of that was Briggs and Stratton classes yeah well it looks straight at the uh, the Briggs 206 medium and heavy right 62 and medium 61 and heavy you have to expect a lot of those guys doing double duty but to go back really quickly, David, on your point about having, you know, maybe the cadet micro and mini categories, first and foremost, there's there's already not enough time in the day. They, they have enough classes as it is. I think we both agree on that. And number two, the track, the nature of the racetrack being so wide open, so flat out, I think probably, uh, I don't think it's the right place to have those drivers in cadet, micro and mini or kid cart, whatever it may be. Also, I'm a firm believer in not having them there so that eventually they're going to desire to come as opposed to they come for four or five years as a kid card or a micro or a mini cadet class and then don't and don't continue to come. I, I love the fact of having a couple of events that are for seniors only. Or, yeah, you're going to bring the juniors in. That's fine, too. But these young kids are going to now want and yearn and look forward to being part of the Battle of the Brickyard in the future. So I love – I know Mike Burrell and USAC have said, you know what, that's not what we want to deal with. Juniors are enough. I love it. I think it's fantastic. What are your overall looking at the numbers, David? Was there is there maybe a class that you, that you thought was awesome to see grow or whatever it may be? Well, one thing that was kind of interesting last year was the the Honda Senior category, the one twenty five uh, shifter class. That was kind of like the the stud category for shifter carts. But this yeah. year, everything moved over to the KZ category, uh, which was essentially the same amount. Uh, they had twenty four this year where they had 23 in the high class last year. So those those kind of swapped ends uh, this year a little bit, which uh, which was kind of, you know, was an interesting story because of the inclusion of the 175 uh, engine package in that. Yeah, when we get into the, the race report, we'll talk more about that because it's kind of interesting the way that the fast guy was actually on a KZ, but had some issues with the engine. Everybody, you know, guys were jumping over to the 175 because it was supposedly significantly faster, two to three or four miles an hour quicker uh, in, you know, on the trap there. Uh, interesting. Very interesting the way the 175s and the KZs are kind of blending together. We're going to see how that plays out. And then, But, folks, this is episode – oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, I was, you're all, you're always break. cutting me off. It's kind of like the racetrack. Well – well, listen, that's because I'm the one that's quarterback of the show, and i got to make the call. All right. I figured we'd then wait for the race report. Then, no, no, you just no, David. <laughs> no, David. <laughs> I just handed it off to you. Go, run yeah. up the gut. What do you so, want to say? I, no, I was just going to add, because we were talking numbers again, I was just going to say that with the whole Margate Ignite program now having the three different categories, you have the senior, you have the masters, and then you add in the junior 93 total entries with those three categories. So, and as you, as you kind of talked about in your morning coffee uh, the other day, um, nearly all of them were under the big Margate tent that was there at the North end of the paddock. I think probably what 70 carts, at least under that tent, um, you know, with, with the whole crew of Margate and, and their mechanics and, and Keith and his whole 
staff, including the wives helping, making sure the, uh, the food and everything like that was taken care of. But just, it's, it's awesome, crazy yeah. to see how that number has grown in just the three years that they've, that they've been part of the Brickyard program. And think about it, David. You put another 365 days of Ignite growth because the, the Margie Ignite Spec program, it's obviously you know growing at the Audubon Country Club. Uh, there's other parts of the of the country now that are picking up this Ignite program. And as you said, there was 10 drivers, I believe, in the Ignite uh, Junior category. You got to believe it's going to be 20 or more next year, right? This this program's continuing to grow. They have the slots here at the event. You got to think that they're, they're going to be over 100 entries or more. Uh, maybe you're having 120 next year at Ignite at this race. That's a, yeah, it's would, a great I, program. I would say the triple number is uh, is going to be it. Yeah. Oh, now, David, can I can I cut the break now? I think yeah, I think that's all the things I kind of wanted to cover with the numbers. You know, just uh, we'll get into more numbers about me being better than you later. Better and finishing worse. What, did, did, that, no, things. just said better. I didn't say p- finishing position. Here I said go. better. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got more about hashtag Rob Howden beat David Cole coming up a little bit later on. But this is episode number 51 of the EKN Debrief. We're talking about the USAC carding battle at the Brickyard. Stick with us. More to come. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Wheeler from Bell Helmets. Bell Racing USA is now the official helmet of Supercarts USA. You can find our newest line of products, such as the Carbon KC7 CMR, the only carbon fiber belt helmet approved with a CMR rating in the entire world during the 2019 season by visiting PSL Karting on-site at all SCUSA events. Check us out online, www.bellracing.com, or on social media by following at HQ. For over 25 years, Supercarts USA has been changing the face of American karting. The debut of the Scusa Promoto Tour in 1999 totally transformed national level karting in the U.S. And now the current Pro Tour is enjoying its unprecedented 10th season of competition. The Scusa Pro Tour is the longest running coast to coast national series in the sport. Nothing else has come close in the last 30 years. The Pro Tour is exciting, hardcore racing. The foundation of Supercarts USA is its regional programs, and we welcome all racers to come experience our style of events. Our flagship region is the California Pro Kart Challenge, a six-weekend series that races from April to September from Fontana to Monterey. The Texas Pro Kart Challenge is in its eighth season and is in the middle of an exciting six-race, three-weekend schedule that takes drivers to Denton, Amarillo, and Houston. And new for 2019 is the return of the Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge, where Scusa was born and raised. The series features four weekends at Newcastle, Norway, and Road America. We'd love to have you experience our product, and we hope to see you at a future Supercarts USA event. To learn more, head to supercartsusa.com. You probably know Nitro Kart for making a class-leading cadet chassis. The kart that swept the 2018 Scusa Supernats cadet divisions and has won scores of races and championships all over the country. But did you know that Nitro Kart offers a full range of carts, including a kid kart and a brand new full-size chassis? Now racers of all ages can enjoy the Nitro Kart advantage of premium components, superior performance, and a wide range of tunable handling. 
All 2019 Nitro Carts are in stock now, so call Nick Tucker at 704-818-7868 and order yours today. Hi, I'm Ashley Harrow, a multi-time international champion, but most kids know me as coach. Under the tent, we aren't just friends. Everyone grows to become family. It all breaks down to two simple choices. You can either spend your time winning with us or spend your time trying to beat us. Welcome back to episode 51 of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined as always uh, by David Cole, getting ready to jump now into uh, what will be our kind of our paddock pass section, kind of a lot to talk about uh, in regards to the event itself. This edition of the paddock, paddock pass presented by J3 Competition and Comp Cart. Since 2005, J3 Competition has captured major victories and championships on and off the racetrack redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and brand recognition and developed its own chassis line, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning ever since. Visit J3Competition.com for more on the fastest growing line in the world. All right, David, let's jump into the paddock pass now uh, as we kind of discuss what uh, what we saw for the track. I think the bottom line, I think you and I both Kind of where I know you were there last year with your dad. This was my first trip to the event itself. I've spent lots of time, of course, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the Road to Indy, with IndyCar, whatever it may be. Uh, but again, as I wrote in the morning coffee, such a different experience for me. And I know that you you can probably echo that. You worked for your dad last year. This time you were racing. It just, man, it just felt like such a cool atmosphere, just an amazing atmosphere. And I think that's for me that the big takeaway was that just everybody was smiling and having a great time and. Just, I think we all felt really fortunate and, gr- and grateful to be able to be at IMS. That that's the key to it is being grateful right. and being able to have this opportunity to be racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Not everybody can say that. Uh, people who have raced in this event three years in a row now can say that for three straight years. You know, they've been here every year, and for as you said, for us, it's the first time getting behind the wheel, uh, racing around Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, getting the lap uh, that's kind of you know as you as you kind of walked around Friday and talking with people it was that's all everybody could talk about was getting to be part of of the lap the the going around the 2.5 mile oval that is Indianapolis Motor Speedway and being able to to cross the bricks and just be where many of our racing heroes have been around for for a number of years uh, here's <laughs> interesting because at one point during the day before we did the lap, I was exhausted. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I won't do the lap. It's no big deal. But then you and I lined up in our, in our common Eagles and cruise around. You had the GoPro. And then it started hitting me, you know, cause I, like I said, I've done so much stuff. I've been part of the Indianapolis 500 with IndyCar radio. I've been on PA before and it, but when you and I started rolling around there, it really started to sink in. Now I will say, <laughs> I wrote about this in the morning copy. As you and I were side by side rolling across the yard of bricks, like you know, I, I saw Jason Burgess waving the waving the checker the, the flags, and I wanted to give him a high five. I could see Alicia there, um, and I I didn't look down, like I didn't even <laughs> see the bricks. <laughs> I don't know if you did or not, but I didn't. I just I guess I was caught up in it and everything, and the check the the twin checker from Jason and everything. I didn't even look down to see that I was crossing the bricks. I don't even think I remember 
bumping over top. Well, I, I think because I have such a great camera experience that I was kind of, you know, in the moment, but kind of out of it. Cause I was trying to get the element of, of both of us crossing the line, crossing the bricks at the same time. Yeah. But so, so I was aware of where we were, but as you said, it, it's kind of hard to take it all in because we're, we were going about 40 miles an hour. So it's a little quick, you know, yeah. and you're kind of take trying to take that whole because right away, like that's your first moment is going down that straightaway. And I think if we were, we, that's I think it. if so we would have started on the, people, tell, tell, I think tell if David, we would have, <laughs> sorry, I think if we would have started on the back straightaway rather than jumping up onto the front straightaway right away and getting, and it's just, it's boom, you're there because it's more of wanting to go down the front straightaway. I think more than anything other than around the oval. It's it's that's what you want to capture is going down the straightaway. So it, it it grabs you right away, and you're not quite in the moment until you get past, as you said, the brick, the yard of bricks, and and you're going right through turns one and two, and you're like, oh shit, I'm I'm on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, we were stumbling over top of each other. What I was trying to say to people is just to let people know when we did the lap, we kind of formed up on the racetrack, and we came right out on like on the X's of turn four. Right. As you said, David, it's not like we came on the back straight away and we were kind of taking it in. You immediately come onto the front straightaway, and the first thing you see is the pagoda and the pylon. And, and you're right. First thing you do is get to the bricks, and then it's the cruise around for the remainder of the lap. Now, granted, for me, I wanted to feel what it was like, you know, just kind of the visual of going into one. And when you and I rolled out a turn two down the back straightaway, you get that full visual. Yeah, we're going 40 miles an hour, but it's the full visual. But you're right. The first, like the, immediately, the first thing is everybody standing there. And you're across the you're coming across the bricks, which is cool. Though. I, I loved it. It was awesome. With, and so doing it multiple times now, you know, for people who did it, were able to do it last year and then do it again this year, I think I think you're able to kind of experience in a different fashion. So I think when we do do it again next year, you know, we won't have to have a GoPro. We'll be able to kind of just just kind of focus on what what do we want to take in this moment, you know, and and that's kind of the thing you you kind of take in when you go to races like Daytona or mid Ohio, or when we used to race at road America, or when guys go a race at Laguna Seca down over in California, like these historic facilities and being able to go on the same racetrack that, that again, many of our heroes or racing idols have been on, you know, I think mid Ohio and road America for me are the top two. I mean, Daytona was cool and all, but you know, I don't know, just those two, those two kind of go up there, but obviously now Indy's kind of been elevated to number one. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the track layout first before we get into a couple other things, David. Um, I personally thought the track layout was very, very cool. Like it, you're going to get what you're going to get, right? If we want a straight sprint track, then we should should have tried to get part of the parking lot, which is probably going to be bumpy anyways. But you get a lot in racing the parking lot. What they were able to do in leveraging, you know, Holman Boulevard, a couple of the access roads, uh, leveraging. Essentially, what is turn one, two, three, and then of course through the, I think they call it five, six, uh, the, the S's that lead onto Holman Boulevard for the, the IndyCar Road Course weekend, and then around that big loop, the inner loop, the left hand horseshoe, which was essentially used by Formula One uh, when they were here running uh, the F1 Grand Prix. I thought the, the track that they put together, based on what they had was available, it was awesome. It was very, like, of course, in our breaks, we're flat out for a, a lot of that 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 uh, lap but the, the corners that they put in i thought were technical enough that you had to get through those technical corners to be able to get the good speed 
in the long straightaway. So I, I personally, I love the racetrack. It was very, very unique. Um, I thought it was great. Your, your thoughts on it? Well, as a road racer, I love speed. And I think that's one thing that Indianapolis embodies is speed. I mean, that's always what Indianapolis was. It was about innovation and being the quickest car, but yet being able, uh, especially in qualifying, being the quickest car, but in the race, being able to go the furthest, you know, get to the 500 laps, the quickest. Um, So I think you have, yeah, when you come to the Brickyard, you have to understand this is not your typical race this is not your typical racetrack it's a great combination of road racing and sprint racing in the same in the same uh racetrack uh you have you know as you said the hairpin is definitely a sprint track section it's not anything you're going to see on road racing except for what maybe we saw at charlotte motor speedway there for the wka race where they had the uh the transition coming in that was essentially a hairpin and what, 25 miles an hour in a, in a laydown shifter, which you don't normally do. Um, so it, yeah, you have that, but like you said, the, uh, the horseshoe that was used during the GP courses for formula one, I think that was one of my favorite sections because I like that too. I mean, it's flat out, especially in a Briggs it's flat out and, and you're able to, to actually pass a guy on the outside if you had a better momentum coming out of turn two, so going into turn three, what is that horseshoe? It's it's a it's a great section. And then you add in, like you said, the S's in the back, um, you know, what's what is turn eight and nine. So it's a left and a quick right to lead you back onto what is the GP course for the Formula One course before you rejoin where the Indy GP course is is sits now. Um that was a, that was really fast and it was kind of it reminded you of like Rock Island. Because it's it's tech pros there. That's that's what's setting the boundaries in that section. So it kind of reminded me of Rock Island. So a little bit of a street race there, where you kind of got to, you know, see how far you can you can push it. You can really push it. So, um, and then turn two was was basically kind of you know it's a fast corner, and if it you know if the grass wasn't the fastest section of 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 the corner. Um, it would be, it would be just a normal turn, but that, that kind of threw things off a little bit there. Yeah. That, as David's mentioned, the turn two, you kind of rolled up by the grid. You kind of climbed up over top of the curbing. That is uh, the turn five, six, that's the first part of the chicane for the Indy cars rolled up over the curbing. We turned right around the tech pros. Uh, I think everybody found out later on that really going across the grass, if you missed it a little bit, wasn't going to, wasn't going to hurt you at all. In fact, it might even have helped a little bit of time. So Overall, though, I, I like the racetrack. I think they did a, did a great job laying that track out, and, I, and I, I don't know what they can do for next year. They might make some changes, but otherwise, I think it's a pretty good layout uh, for this particular event. Uh, David, uh, again, let's talk a bit briefly about, about the weather. Uh, you know, one of the things about Indianapolis Motor Speedway is if lightning is detected in a certain area around, it's immediate 30-second hold or 30-minute hold. Lightning was detected. We went for 30 minutes. And it, it was interesting because I'm looking around like, I wonder if the rain's going to start or not. And it was, what, 30 seconds later, the rain came on Saturday afternoon. Man, it came hard. It was The wind was there. The rain was coming hard. It was a pretty serious storm. It was a lot of rain in a small period of time. And I think that, and that was more of the reason why we didn't continue racing Saturday night because in the in the S's section that I was talking about, the, the 8, 9, and 10, area there just inside turn four where they're coming onto the main straightaway that had inches of standing water which essentially 
closed the the track down for us the rest of the entire yeah. day. So the, it wasn't so much the lightning at the end of the day. It was in the beginning part before, as you said, the rain started to fall. But that massive amount of, of rain that did come down uh, to help delay things. And again, like I said, I didn't think that the moving the pre-finals over to Sunday was going to work, but they were uh, able to prove me wrong at least and, and get those in. And it kind of helped me a little bit, kind of didn't really help you so much, but uh, was overall got everybody the laughs that they, that they were promised to to race or the, the sessions they were promised to race. True. Yeah, true, true. I thought that was well, well approached. And I think everything actually worked out pretty good. David, really the only, I guess the only real issues that they had, at least that you and I were able to see, were they, they did have some trouble with the scales. That was one of the issues. They had they had a set of scales out. They were struggling with those scales a little bit. Margay ended up bringing out a, a set of scales that were used for a bit, and they eventually just used the Margay scales for the entire weekend. So if there's anything you can point at the USAC card, you can say, you know what, we're going to fix this, and it's going to, you know, it's going to drastically improve the event for 2020. It'll be just getting the scales handled, right? I think that's going to be a key for them. That that was an issue last year as well. You know, as we, I was there watching, uh, you know, helping helping my dad out, and that was one of the major complaints that a lot of the racers had last year. And then, as we found out Friday, that was that continued to be the issue. I'm not sure if it was the same set of scales. I, I'm not sure uh, what the, what the real issue was with the scales. It was just somehow they, they weren't working correctly, and so that that's something that they're definitely going to have to look at as one of the major aspects to change for 2020. Um, there's a couple other little things that I think that they could work on, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's gotten to that third year. So now you're kind of like going into your fourth, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what are some major things we need to look at to improve it? Because it's, it's kind of been the same the last three years where not much has changed um, and I don't think they need to change things. I think they just kind of need to pinpoint some some aspects of the race to kind of um, make sure. Fine what's tuning. that? Fine tuning some stuff. I yeah, think. some fine tuning right. some stuff. And 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 let's be honest, it, it was it was kind of lax because they still kind of look at it as, hey, we're just here to have fun. But when you're getting the the entry counts into four hundred and fifty four, uh, people aren't there just for fun. I mean, they're they're you know people do want to win. And, and want to be part of the the podium finishers that are there and and so i think i think tech uh, i wasn't in tech so i'm not quite sure how things went there but they seem to be bouncing some people and catching some people so that's part of part of uh the area that they continue to 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 keep doing but i think the whole scaling issue where you know people are walking up to people that's one that's one of my pet peeves about that because we talked yeah. with uh, other racers that were there it's like it's really not that hard to slip somebody a, a five pounder while you're giving them a big hug for finishing fifth or or third yeah let's clar- clarify that Dave uh, when you came into the scale line there was nothing stopping everybody coming up to talk to you like you normally when you're in the scales you're not near your your family you're not near your, your crew essentially the crew was walking right through there was no there was no fencing that, that blocked off anyone from being in the scale. So you're right. Somebody could easily come in and have dropped a, a, a socket or something in your helmet because there was just absolutely no, they didn't cordon off it at all. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's something they need to look at. And um, I'm trying to think of the other thing I was going to mention and I can't think of it right now. So maybe we'll just write about it and what we'll oh. be doing the, uh, from the tower. 
Yeah, if it comes back, if it comes back up, you never know, Dave. We got, we, there's still time. Um, <clears throat> one of the, you know, Dave, one of the, we talked about the atmosphere. One of the, I think, really interesting things, and you know, we we kind of dropped that term, America's largest club race, uh, because it just seemed like there were so many people there that that it wasn't all about going to a na- big national. Yeah, there was some, there were some couple of big trailers there. Uh, obviously, some big teams: Margay, Comet, uh, DRT, Top Cart, uh, Trinity Karting was there as well. But David, if you looked at the the cross section, so many grassroots racers as well. Guys rolling in with small trailers or pickup trucks. We saw some tents there as well. Easy ups, you know what I mean? It was, it was just, it was just such a great cross section. I think more leaning towards grassroots club and regional racers. Well, with the the total number of ra- uh, entries, when I said sixty six of them were Briggs and Stratton racers, I think that kind of leans towards your your grassroots racers, where guys who, like you said, are pick pitting out the back of their pickups or you got five guys under maybe one or two easy ups, you know, just, just out there hanging out. And that's kind of, that's kind of the mentality and the atmosphere that, that I think USAC Karting wants to, to keep going with this event. Um, because, you know, not everybody has the ability to go race the national events that we do have. And, and this is probably the, everybody's super nationals, um, who don't race at super nationals yeah, already. So this, this provides that opportunity and, and, and just to be racing at the Indianapolis motor speedway. I mean, that says it alone. So it's, it's going to bring, it, it brings some national tuners back into the seat, you know, as we saw in our class with, <laughs> with Ben Crittenden racing and, yeah. and you had a Nick Neary racing in the Briggs, uh, both Briggs classes. You had. Bill McLaughlin from and Blake Deister of, of Top Cart USA, uh, so it, it just brings a whole. Well, Brian Fisher, even Brian Fisher was out there running too. Well, not just running, but winning. Yeah, so winning, uh, well, winning. Know, but he's a like, noted engine builder getting a chance to do some driving. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 provides an opportunity to, for people just to have a great weekend. Uh, let's cap off this this uh, segment here, the Paddock Pass, presented by Comp Cart. With a little look at a new award that they decided to bring out here this year, and being the third year of the of the Battle of the Brickyard, they kind of they they actually went back and actually awarded uh, a plaque to the t- somebody for 2017, 2018, and 2019 as well. So they handed out the Mickey Rupp Award, which is given to the participant who best embodies the spirit of the Indianapolis 500 through karting. So for 2017, the event, uh, rather the the uh, the award was given to Stephen Flat. Uh, who is a 125cc stock Honda Masters driver, won in 2017, actually won again and climbed the fence uh, here in 2019. Ron Peterson was uh, awarded with the plaque in 2018. And for this year, Steve Kilsdonk winning the Mickey Rupp Award. Again, awarded to the participant who best embodies the spirit of the Indianapolis 500 through karting. David, I, I really like – that's a kind of a cool connection, right, to the Indy 500 – uh, at this event, you know, of course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is all about the 500. They've got more races going on lately, but it's nice to have that connection, I think, for the racers and the carters to that one big event. Well, that's what uh, USAC Karting is really trying to gear the event towards is is that paying the homage to the Indianapolis 500. You know, as we saw last year with the introdu- the introduction of the wreath, the winner's wreath, and drinking the milk. And we saw all throughout this year with uh, all the winners being able to take part in that ceremony as well. So you have that uh, for the victors. But again, you have this award that kind of keeps, you know, it could be open to anybody. It's not necessarily a winner. It could be uh, just anybody who that embodies that that spirit that is the Indianapolis 500 that is 
that is so cool to uh, to be be at. Well, I, I, let's add some of the stuff to it, which I thought was cool. You talked about the milk. You talked about the uh, um, the wreath as well. But of course, opening ceremonies, national anthem, but also John Ewing, son back home again in Indiana. That was cool for me. I got a little choked up when he did that. I thought that was super cool to have that to have him sing that as well. Just more five hundred stuff for me. It's good. Yeah, more five hundreds. You know, the gentlemen start your engines that Randy did just before the first main event. Yeah, uh, Randy Kugler, the announcer uh, of the event. Uh, so it has just you know all those little little trinkets that uh, that you know take you take it from the five hundred and bring it to this event because this is the only real true karting event that they have there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. All right, folks, when we get back from this break, we're going to jump into a quick race report. We're not going to go through everything. We're going to kind of just kind of list off to you some of the winners, kind of the stuff that we kind of remember from it. Because, again, as I said, not a traditional debrief. David and I weren't focused on all the racing that was happening on track. We were running back and forth, you know, working on our own. Or not working. We didn't work on any carts. Uh, we were talking to our, our mechanics, talking about changes. I particularly was trying to you know, drink a bunch of, as much water as I could. It was uh, We didn't get a lot of chance to watch a lot of racing, but we will go through the winners uh, for this year's Battle of the Brickyard. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Debrief. Are you ready to go racing? Trinity Carding Group is fired up and ready to take up that challenge. Trinity Carding Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives them access to their custom-designed driver training facility. This allows them to offer private one-on-one coaching that can take you to the next level. They're also a Midwest dealer for Tony Kart and IAMI, and they are your source for MG and Avinco tires in the region. They'll be trackside at the Scusa Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge, the USPKS, the USAC Battle of the Brickyard, and of course, the KRA Series at Newcastle Motorsports Park. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with the customer service that is second to none. Trinity Karting Group has a long history in the sport, a winning pedigree, and they're dedicated to driver development. They take pride in their professional approach and their positive attitude. Let them build a custom race program for you. Give them a call at 513-421-4463 or check them out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. Mad Old Nut Racing and Croc Promotion USA are focused on changing the paradigm when it comes to race teams in this sport. And the goal is to support dedicated young racers by giving them the tools and opportunities to succeed. Originally born as Mad Croc, the new branding is Croc Promotion, and Armando Fellini's product continues its dedication to quality and innovation. Croc Promotion USA is the American importer and distributor, and Mad Old Nut Racing is the official race team. We're ready to attack in 2019, and our race results speak for themselves. A.J. Myers swept the first four Winter Series shifter cut races of the year, and Andrew Bedozo continues to assert himself as an emerging player. Crock Promotion has momentum. Dedicated and talented young drivers, supported and mentored by team owners who know business and who are passionate about karting. That's Crock Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. Search for us on social media and give us a follow. 
Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on-site at GoPro Motorplex, Cart Sport North America features over 6,000 square feet of retail space. Along with being the official race team and distributor for the Cart Republic chassis, they offer full retail sales, cart service and storage, and products from the top brands in the sport, such as CZ Chain, Talon Sprockets, SKF Bearings, and Prisma Tire Gauges. If you want to take your racing to the next level, they also offer driver training and coaching programs available trackside at GoPro Motorplex. They have a massive inventory, so head to their online store at cartsportna.com to get same-day shipping of the parts and components that you need. While you're there, check out their used section of carts, engines, parts, and accessories. Cartsport North America, top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode 51 of the EKN Debrief. We're talking about the USAC Carding Battle at the Brickyard. David Cole and I are both in competition with so many others at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last weekend. This edition of the Race Report presented by the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. All right, David. Uh, we got a list of categories. Let's just start rolling through. You can put out what you want in terms of input. I'll try to help as well. But let's get started with Briggs 206 medium, Briggs 206 heavy. What do you call him? The Emperor? Gary Lawson? The Rock Island Grand Prix Emperor. He's won 25 times there. He's actually kind of maybe hinted on coming back uh, while we were just sitting under the comet cart sales tent uh, this weekend. He kind of had a a shitty grin on his face about... (laughs) Maybe possibly going back there, but uh, for now, he is the king of Indy with four victories now in the last two years as Gary Lawson uh, won both the 206 medium and heavy again this year. So back-to-back times two uh, for Gary Lawson and the Comet Eagle. Hey, did Steve Steve Kilsdunk end up winning the 206 Masters class? You and I couldn't see him. That's how far ahead he was with the guys he was racing with. Um did he finish second to lost in both those races? Finished second to Gary in both races. So I, th- I think he's fudged his birth certificate because there's no possible way he can be masters already. <laughs> right? I know. But yeah, Steve Kill's not doing a great job in 206 Masters scoring the win there. 206 Junior, Sam Corey getting the win. Good for him on that one. Yeah, Sam Corey uh, getting a victory there, racing an MGM chassis in Briggs 206 Junior. Uh, actually being wrenched on by Brandon Jarzakrak, who won the IAMI senior category of the last two years. So Jarzakrak put away the helmet for this weekend and uh, helped Sam Corey to victory there. Corey almost got a double on the weekend, was uh, part of the lead group in that KA100 junior category. Uh, but that race ended up going to Texan Alex Stanfield, who uh, won that race. Yeah, last lap, last lap battle, I think I heard. Again, a lot of the stuff I, I normally we watch it. A lot of stuff I heard over the, over the PA when I was cleaning the things up. So, um, let's talk about the legendary name, 
David Winning and Yamaha Sr. Brandon Atkins, of course, uh, the Atkins Speed Center, Atkins Raceway, legendary names. I know they're they're still plugging away at Atkins Speed Center, building engines uh, and doing everything they're doing with with the, with the, the track itself as well, Atkins Raceway. Uh, just great to see them continuing to to keep that name alive. But Brandon, as we know, champion racer for many many years, he comes in and, and wins at uh, at IMS in in, uh, in Yamaha Senior. Yeah, very uh, emotional victory for him, uh, crossing the line. You know, showing a lot of emotion coming through back to uh, the scales, and then obviously able to take uh, the celebration with the victory milk. Uh, good to see uh, Brandon continuing. Again, the Yamaha category, I think, is going to be one that will stay out the USAC courting battle of the Brickyard because, again, Mike Burrell, promoter, is a, a proponent of the Yamaha category, and there's still lots of them out there. Um, but, again, this year they dropped to just the Yamaha senior category but still continued to run the Yamaha Masters, which was won by Mike Welsh, and continued with Yamaha Junior, which was won by Adam Maxwell. Maxwell keeping it a top cart uh, three straight for top cart as uh, Caden Wharf was not able to compete this weekend. So Adam Maxwell took the reins and scored victory in that category. Let's talk a little bit, little bit about shifters, David. And you brought up the, the KZ category and the fact that there was a number of drivers that were on KZs. I think the top guys, a couple of the top guys on the Medina. Uh, there was a number of guys that jumped with the IAMI SSC 175cc engine. Of course, we're seeing that in the Midwest with the Scusa Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge. Uh, Rory Vanderster, I think, was actually quickest for most of the weekend, I think, right, in, the K, in his KZ and his Medina. Um, guys were jumping over. Some guys didn't decided to park their KZs and started at the tail. They, they started at the tail of the field in the pre-final. I think Josh Lane was one of the guys that went to the went to the uh, the IAMI 175. Uh, but in the end, Race Liberante coming through with the win in the KZ category. Well, it's still a combination of engine and driver. Uh, really, no, no matter what category you, you go into, because you might have the the, the best engine, but you still got to be be able to be the best driver. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, um, I think Lane was one of them that switched over before the main event even. So after the pre-final, decided to change over and came from dead last to, I believe, fourth where he finished. But again, a great driver as josh is he was able to do that but not quite enough to to be able to keep up with race liberante who was was really fast all weekend long racing uh under the uh, harden motorsports group tent uh aboard his comp cart but uh, harden motorsports group got sweep of the podium with um devin harden smith a, a former winner last year's shifter cart winner and I believe the year before that was the 80 cc shifter cart winner so he had two two bricks right. going in but uh, came up one spot short, and then Evan Bat uh, rounded out the podium in that category. So uh, 175s across the board on the podium. But again, as you said, the KZ might have been the, the op- optimal engine to have, uh, as Rory Vanderster showed, uh, until he had issues with his, his power plant. And of course, that's a discussion for another podcast, KZ and 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 how the 175 could could even blend together, right? It's just- well, let, let's just say it's going to be a discussion online until Rock Island comes around, because you know what's going to happen there. Is it just going to be KZ, or or, or are they introducing the 175 there? And yeah, then true. what are we going to do next year for Battle of the Brickyard as well, too? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, in the KZ Masters category, Lance Lane with a big win. He always seems to come out and get the job done. Uh, of course, Josh's uh, dad, Lance, 
multi-time race winner at the Rock and uh, a winner in, at the Battle of the Brickyard and Casey Masters. Uh, the Stock Honda 125, Jared Howerton scoring in the, uh, the senior category. Stephen Flat coming back, David, to get another win, his second brick. Uh, there's a guy that absolutely loves the Indianapolis 500, loves the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and uh, was super stoked after he was able to win and uh, was climbing the fence after he uh, after he drank the milk. So it was cool to see Steven get another win in the 125cc Masters, at Stock Honda Masters class. Yeah, Lane was able to uh, win that category last year, but obviously moved over the KZ class and won that category. So Lane's got two bricks now of his own. Steven Flat now is now a uh, two-time winner, as you said, winning in 2017. So uh, again, uh, really cool to see the shift carts there. And it, you know, watching them, it really makes me almost want to try it next year. I mean, <laughs> does it really? It's going to be kind of a big jump going from the Briggs to a shifter, but, uh, you know, road racing, that shifter carts were one of my favorite categories to be part of. And, and I don't know, it's just, you know, we got 365 days to talk about it and, and think about it. But it might not be a smart move to do it, but I, and if anything, just maybe just for a practice session, just to see what it's like out there. Just going to say that I don't, there's no way I would be able to handle a full race weekend, I think, but man, I would love to drive that track for one session. In a shifter. Oh, my God, that'd be fun. I think it'd be a blast. Um, all right, David, let's quickly go into the IAMI categories, IAMI Senior and IAMI Masters. Talk a little bit about uh, the IAMI Senior race. I, I didn't get a chance to see it. I just heard a little bit about it. Well, it was really pretty chaotic throughout the weekend because there really wasn't any clear-cut driver that was able to uh, to stand out throughout the weekend. Uh, you had both uh, Bailiff brothers with Finnegan and Gavin uh, up there battling with uh, – with Nicholas Trelecki, with Ben Varner from Michigan, and a number of Brad Britton and a number of other drivers that were uh, in the hunt all weekend long. But in the end, Nicholas Trelecki uh, just now turned 14, I believe, last month, uh, racing in the senior category, was able to score the victory aboard his uh, Franklin Merlin cart. And uh, I believe Finnegan's rounded out the podium in that class. So pretty cool uh, weekend in that. Both, both, both. Both the Bayless, Gavin and Finney, yeah. you think? All right, good stuff. Uh, one one of the races we actually did get a chance to watch, because number one, because your dad was in it. Also, it was the last race of the day. We were kind of cleaned up and wrapped up. We walked out to watch it. So the last race of the entire weekend was IAMI Masters, and it was actually a damn-ass good battle for the lead. It was super fun to watch. Yeah, Austin Queen and Brian Fisher were 1-2 throughout the 14-lap race. And as Brian kind of mentioned in his post, it was great, clean racing. The two, you know, respected each other, gave each other room, but it was really tight fight uh, for the victory. But uh, the fish ended up uh, claiming the victory in that one. Yeah, it was, it was, again, just really good to watch. As you said, every from what we could see on track, uh, racing was absolutely fantastic. Now, just grabbed up race monitor real quick, David. As you said, Nichols Turlecki getting the win. Ben Varner actually got second. In the IAMI senior category, Gavin Bailiff was third, Finnegan Bailiff was fourth, and Matthew Mockaby rounding out the top five. All right, let's cap things off. You already talked about K100 Junior and the win from Alex Stanfield, so let's wrap it up then, David, uh, with the Margay Knight category, senior, master, and junior. Uh, of course, I raced in masters. You jumped at the tail of the field. You jumped into Chris Wheeler's cart uh, after he had hurt his ribs. You started at the tail of the field in the prefinal uh, for for seniors, started at the tail uh, of the race and masters. Didn't quite get the results you wanted, but uh, in the Ignite Senior category, just really, really good racing. You throw Gabby Chavez in there. 
you throw uh, Colin Daly, who grabs the, the show cart. <laughs> that was that check-in. He ends up racing and being up front to start as well. But in the end, Colin Warren, who's obviously one of the top four-cycle drivers in the country, coming away with a big victory. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch the main event, but the racing and the uh, the heat race and the prefrontal were really exciting to watch. And you almost thought, you know, Chavez and Daly were going to be the guys to beat. Jordan Bernalore was there as well, too. But uh, that's true. Yep. But Warren was able to uh, to shine coming up with uh, the last lap pass to be able to score the victory. I did talk to Gabby Chavez afterwards, and 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 his call was. Uh, they made a move. He ch- he changed the gear. He thought that maybe the, with the way things were going, he was going to change the gear. Well, the minute he – I think he had one little issue where he fell back like three or four cart lengths, and the gear he had on it combined with the draft, he said, I was done. <laughs> he knew it because we just shouldn't have changed the gear. So he ended up falling back, kind of led the next group, and then there was a group of, I think, probably three or four that pulled away. Uh, in the Margie Ignite Masters category, uh, celebrating his birthday, Keith Scharf, of course – Long-time carter, long-time sports car racer, runs the program at Gateway uh, Carplex. Man, this guy, I'm telling you, I look at him as just such an inspiration. He's about eight years older than me, but he's a badass. And he ran in the senior category as well. He and Nick Totenhop uh, in the middle of a battle uh, up front. Uh, top of my head, I can't think who the third driver was. Um, they battled all three of them. They pulled away from us. I was part of the next group in fourth, fifth, and sixth with uh, Pete Vetter and Colin Predeth, and uh, they were able to pull away. Another big win for Keith Scherf. This guy just keeps racking them up. Yeah, as, as Keith Freeber of Margate said, it was a boring, calculated race because Scharf <laughs> kind of just waited his time and, and made the move on the last lap uh, and beat out Nick, and Michael Burton was Michael Burton, was a yeah. third driver up there. And yeah. Michael is a fast guy. I was able to follow him a little bit uh, starting from the back of the senior race, and definitely a fast guy uh, in the Ignite category. Well, it was one of those things that I'm talking to Keith a little bit afterwards. He, I think they were leading at one point, or, or, or Nick was leading, and what they, they just didn't want to lead, right? They didn't want to be in the lead in the last lap because um, you're going to make a move somewhere. Uh, but again, great racing for the drivers in the Ignite Masters. Let's cap it up. Margate Ignite Junior, 10 drivers, I believe, I think we had in the field for the, for the debut for the juniors at the Brickyard. And Reed Sweeney coming home with the win, drinking the milk. Yeah, another longtime Margate driver for being a junior. You know, he raced in, uh, he's raced cadets uh, with the Margate program and now into the junior category. So he is uh, going down in the record books as the inaugural Ignite Junior winner. Uh, that category actually ran at the same time as the Briggs Junior category. So we'll end up seeing, uh, you know, if both categories expand and get larger for next year, what uh, USAC will do with, with those two categories. Yeah, do they split? Exactly right. Okay, folks, one more commercial break in this edition of The Debrief. It's a different one. Obviously, Dave and I weren't uh, following each race. We were doing some racing ourselves. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk a little bit about the racing that we were able to do, have a look at our results, and I'm sure throw out a little bit of trash talk. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Debrief. Hi, EKN listeners. This is Jeff Wessel from Streeter Superstands. When it comes to lifts and stands for your carts and the largest selection of shop and trailer accessories, we know all about building and giving you the best. The Streeter Superstands crew has over 30 years of experience, are cart racers just like you, and know that the Streeter name stands for durability, affordability, and most of all, quality. We're the original and genuine manufacturer of Bigfoots and Stacker Stands, and we build them right here in the USA, along with our best-selling Streeter Superlift, upright stands, and an ever-growing roster of shop and trailer accessories to outfit any trailer or garage. 
while some guys pretend to be number one, reprove it every day, every race. Racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstand builds it. Check us out at StreeterSuperstands.com. When it comes to the best in lifts, stands, shop and trailer accessories, and all the cool necessities to make your race day easy and organized, it's all at StreeterSuperstands.com. We innovate, not imitate. Roll with the best right now at StreeterSuperstands.com. You've heard the term bucket list. In karting, it refers to the Rock Island Grand Prix. The world's largest street race for karting will host its 25th edition this coming Labor Day weekend, and you owe it to yourself to be there. The Rock Island Grand Prix lands on the weekend of August 30 and September 1, and everyone in the Mississippi River City is ready to welcome grassroots racers as well as some of the best shifter kart drivers from North America to their home race. A total of 17 race groups are set to tackle the city streets of Rock Island, Illinois over two full days of exciting competition. The volunteer-based committee and their passionate crew turns their streets into a racing festival overnight as drivers compete for the coveted Rock Trophy. Categories range from the popular Briggs 206, Margay Ignite, and Yamaha classes to Tag, KA100, Shifter Divisions, and the famed King of the Streets main event. It's the most fun you can have on and off the track. It's the Rock Island Grand Prix. Learn more by visiting rockislandgrandprix.com. And if you're a passionate kart racer, it's time to cross this one off your bucket list. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race... Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge. The dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden alongside David Cole as we are debriefing our breakdown of the USAC battle at the Brickyard just last week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, third running of the event. Uh, this particular segment right now, we'll start off with our final kind of kind of segment of the, the race report brought to you by the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. David Cole, let's you and I talk about our racing. Um, first and foremost, it, it, I, I raced at the Challenge of the Americas finale at Sonoma, Andy Saveman. God gave me a Burrell to run. I ran the new VLR, uh, you know, the Rock VLR 100. It was it was awesome. But I didn't do a lot of racing. I was kind of rusty. I was trying to chase Calvin Chen. Didn't do, do a lot of wheel-to-wheel racing. This, for the first time, really, in two years, I really got to do some t- a ton of wheel-to-wheel racing. For me, it just felt so, so good to get back behind the wheel. I'm sure you probably can echo that, echo that statement. I don't think it was demanding physically i think it was more demanding mentally because as you said we haven't really been racing um rock island i didn't really race i was kind of just making laps uh because i i crashed out in the heat race so that didn't help wasn't able to race there and then the main event i just i didn't have the pace to to keep up with the pack so i really wasn't racing and so yeah it's been a while since we've actually gone wheel to wheel you said i believe it was uh bermuda in 2017 so, so <laughs> over over yeah, two years so ago, I would yeah. have been 2017 Rock Island, where I actually was going wheel to wheel with guys. So uh, it's been a while. So that I think it was more mentally draining than it was physically because it was because with the way the track is set up, it's it's very similar to road racing and and 
And so you, you got to figure out when you're going to make your move. It's, it's, it doesn't happen quick. And then you take off and, and leave the group because the group's going to come right draft right back up to you. <laughs> and so it was, it was, who did you want to work with? What, okay. What drivers can I able, am I able to run with? What drivers do we need to get away from? It was, it was con- constantly thinking about what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And so it was more mentally, I, w- I was a little sore Monday morning when I woke up, but, uh, but not you know, sore in a good way, just because we were back using those racing yeah. muscles that we haven't used in a long time. Well, here's the thing for me too. And, and you talk about me- mental, the mental game. And that really was kind of my issue early because look, I'll, I'll get started. So got a chance, of course, first and foremost, we'll get to this in a second. You and I hooking up quite a while ago, we got a, we got a kind of an invite from, from Mark Dismore Jr. and Gary Lawson to run with Comet Card Sales. They were going to prepare a couple of uh, a Comet Eagle chassis for us, American-made uh, material. We, you and I were going to go head-to-head. We threw out the hashtag beat Rob Howden, hashtag beat David Cole. Had a bunch of fun with that leading into the event, but they kind of set it up early. I also – I've been super jealous about you getting a chance to run with the Ignite guys, so I just pitched the deal out to Greg Dingus and uh, and Keith Freeber saying, hey, would there be a card available for me? So – there was. So let's start with that. I'll, I'll kind of roll into my Margate Night Masters experience. Uh, first and foremost, walking into the tent, as I wrote about in my morning coffee column, man, just the way they the way they approached this thing, the sheer amount of effort I think they that they would have had to put into this, and everybody involved, you know, from from Greg Diggis to Sean Kennedy to all the staff that was there, man, they just I was so impressed with the entire Margate Night program. It's just it's amazing. Now, personally, I, I kind of moved forward. Throughout the weekend, which I felt good about. Obviously, I'd, I hadn't driven in a while. Um, I got into a good group and qualifying, ended up qualifying 10th. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, starting on the starting on the outside, right? Yeah, on the outside 10th, my start wasn't what I wanted. I kind of got screwed a little bit in the heat race and made a move coming out of turn two and, and got in behind Jeff Dolian, which I thought was going to be good, except for the fact that we were on the outside. We got absolutely hosed coming out of two through the horseshoe. We were on the outside. Everybody streamed on by. It just was not, it was not what I was looking for. I ended up going back quite a bit, but I fought my way back uh, to the uh, 13th spot in the heat race, which wasn't too bad. Back on the inside, row number seven, was able to move up to eighth in the pre-final. Actually had a pretty good run there, kind of dialed myself in. Uh, part of the pre-final issue too was, and David, this is the mental side of it. Um, I wasn't patient at all. I was trying to make some moves, and uh, at one point, Nick Totenhap had, had caught up to me, and we were pushing our way forward. And I made a move. I, I would have got. He was. He pushed me by in turn number four. I'll say four or five, whatever we're going to call the right-hander that went to the hairpin. I went to the inside, and I, we had the pass made on one guy. I was trying to go by Tim Hannon as well. I tried to get two guys at the same time and end up locking it up and, and doing a half spin. Was able to continue, but I lost a bunch of spots. That's more of the reason why I fell back as opposed to not getting a good start. But Nick pushed me forward. And after that, though, David, after that heat race, I said to myself, okay, i got to stop making unforced errors. i got to be smart. And at that point, I think patience took over, and I kind of I was in a way better place. I'm not sure if you dealt with that same thing. But for me, it was just I had to knock the rust off. I had to get my head right because I was just – I was driving with no patience early on. Well, essentially, that's what the heat race was really for both of us. Uh, you know, you, at least you had the Margate Ignite program to kind of shake the rust off before you got in the other heat race. But but yeah, because watching your heat race from your pre-final, it was like you're two different drivers because we knew you had the pace 
It's just you weren't a, you you were you were better with your moves in the prefinal to stay with the drivers that you needed to stay with. Because yeah. as you okay. said, Nick Totenhop came from the back of the heat race up to you in the in that race to finish tenth, where you got back to thirteenth. As you said, you should have yeah. followed him through. Uh, I should. But then in the prefinal, he moved his way all the way up to the win. But you worked your, yourself up into eighth, and we knew that that you had the pace to run with that lead group. Um, after that pre-final. So I, you know, it, as you said, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, are racing at least once a month, if not twice a month where we hadn't raced really since 2017. And, you know, at the start of the, the start of the Margate final, we were talking, Colin Preda from that and a bunch of guys were talking, Hey, listen, let's just stay out of trouble. Let's make sure we line up. We can't let the front three guys get away because they're that fast. They'll take off. And they did. Well, they eventually did that. <laughs> Maybe there was, there was, there was an incident in turn number two, between a couple of guys at the top 10, that kind of allowed things to break up. Uh, again, I ended up hooking up behind Colin Predeth, was in the lead of our group. Then it was uh, – then Pete Vedder was in there. Um, there was one other driver in there with us as well. He ended up driving off in over in turn number eight, I believe, or seven. So it was just the three of us. So I, I kind of pushed Pete Vedder around, and, and I was kind of waiting for Pete to try to go by Colin. And he wasn't able to get that done. So all in all, we came across the line sixth, seventh, or rather fourth, fifth, and sixth. I was pretty damn happy with sixth position considering the fact that, again, like you said, haven't raced a lot, um, but really cool to be part of that Ignite program. Sixth was awesome. Pumped me up for the rest of the weekend. But you, however, you decided decided that there was a spare cart sitting there. Chris Wheeler decides he's not going to run. Number 69 was there, and you were going to race it in the main event for senior and and masters started at the tail of the field trying to get forward as much as you could but it's it's tougher back there because again it's the mental side of it, of it right some of the drivers further back maybe newer to the sport and again maybe had the same mistakes i was doing in the heat race you gotta work together when you're not looking when you're not looking around to find out where people are beside you you're diving left and right you just it's chaos back there well let, let me let me start by saying i didn't get to watch your main event but but you know, I think it was a very impressive run for you. And I think as Sean Beer said over the weekend, anytime you're running with the pistol Pete, it's, it's a good run, yeah. you know, because Pete yeah. is a longtime Margate driver and a, and a crafty veteran driver at that. And so to, to be able to run with him is a good weekend. I, I couldn't run with him at rock Island one year and that's why he beat me and I didn't get my damn rock. So, so we can blame it on <laughs> Pete. Uh, but going back to, uh, yeah, as you said, I was able to join you in that Masters Ignite race, uh, jumped in the Bell Racing Wheeler Motorsports 69 cart there. It was just sitting there. I thought somebody was going to be driving it by the time we got there Saturday, so I didn't plan on racing it at all. And finally, I said, all right, Chris, is anybody driving it? And he said, nope, you want it, it's yours. So I, I set aside the idea of just racing it for the main events on on Sunday. That way, we it didn't mess with what we were trying to do, I was trying to do with Comet because I really wanted to to improve my position in that cart. And then I could use those races as just warm-ups for the rest because I would have been sitting there Sunday doing nothing for hours, True. for True. hours. So um, we were able to jump in. I did uh, I did a warm-up lap because they did have the warm-up session Sunday morning and it was just that, a lap. So got got to at least understand what the cart did in, you know, in the first – you know, in the actual corners that we were going to go around, not really at full, not really at full pace, but it was good to get out there and at least understand what kind of padding we needed to get myself in, in the seat without, uh, you know, sliding back and forth. 
Um, but yeah, as you said, getting your way through the field was not a really easy feat to do. I think it was easier in the master's category because back there, there's, there's a wide range of experience. And so my, my lap times were very, you know, close to yours, not quite what your lap pace was at, but I think I could have got close to that with, with a few more sessions, but I was able to kind of pick off a lap, a lot, a bunch of carts early. And then I got mixed up in a group and one driver just kind of just had kind of a brain fade and two carts got together in front of me. I had nowhere to go. And boom, I, I was into the side pods of one of the other carts, got up to the 16th position. So starting 30th to got to 16th before the halfway point, I really thought I was going to get my uh, over under on number of carts. I was going to pass on the, on the two races. <laughs> All right. Let's, we also ran the senior category. Do you want to give an update there? Is it pretty much the same as the, as the master's class? Yeah, senior category, I started 52nd, which just in that was really cool just to be part of right. 52 carts going in. And I was really impressed with how they got through turn two. Uh, you know, obviously some guys getting sideways and a little loose and through the grass. So that was expected. But it was the chaos that happened after the hairpin that just I knew was going to happen. And there was nothing you can do about it because you had nowhere to go but forward. And we're, there were carts literally five wide and everybody going for the same part of the real estate. And it, when you, when we get the videos online, you'll just be like, how did you get through that? And I'll wow. be like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I, I think I got up to 36 out of 52 by like the time that. I got yep. uh, spun around in the hairpin with about the halfway point. So, all right, so let's, let's jump in here and, and we'll cap off this race report with a, a look at our, our head to head battle. Uh, First off, you know, big thanks to to Mark Dismore Jr., um, obviously Gary Lawson, uh, Colton Smith as well, our, our mechanic who, who built both of our, our Common Eagles. Um, I'm going to say this, David, I put it in the morning coffee. Uh, that cart's one, one of, probably the most comfortable cart I've ever driven. I love that, that like that Common Eagle. Man, it felt good to drive. I want to drive it somewhere. I'd love to drive it at Newcastle. I want to drive it somewhere else because I, it was, I, I just felt that comfortable in it. I really like that cart. It was a great coming home for me. I got to uh, begin my karting career with a Comet Mach 1 chassis back in the late 90s. And so it was the first time I've gotten to driven a Comet cart uh, since that time. And as you said, just sitting in the Beasley seat that they have uh, through Comet cart sales is amazing. Um, It's got that high side, so you don't have the fear of cracking your ribs because as we get older, that's our biggest fear. And and I've just not been able to uh, to feel comfortable with a rib tech anymore, especially kind of the bigger ones. And so I, I kind of go without one, which I shouldn't, but uh, I do. And, and But this Beasley seat makes you feel a lot more comfortable and gets me, a tall guy, out of the wind. Yeah, and you were that down was, low. That, that yeah. was really key to... Uh, getting around the uh the long straights that are that were there at the brickyard okay so 55 drivers in the Briggs 206 masters category david knight our plan for qualifying was to kind of hook up we we waited as long as we could we had, we had good speed in, in the in the practice sessions qualifying on friday you and i were going to hook up together and go out and, and you know I'll, you'd be up front and i'd be up front we were trying to wait to the very very tail but there's so many carts some guys weren't going out i think you and i were kind of worried that we were going to wait 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 the minute you and I rolled off, a couple other guys jumped up, dove in between us, and it kind of threw a wrench into our plans because we were quicker than everybody around us. Uh, when we when we finally did get rolling, I got in behind you. I was pushing you, but I also was 
obviously benefiting from your draft. And we were, Dave, we were catching up to people so quickly, some of the guys, of course, because there was a spread and pace. Uh, and we caught them in the wrong spots. You were able to get by. Because I, I think you passed one guy going to the inside of the S's, uh, and I wasn't able to get by with you because I wasn't close enough at that point. I wasn't getting out of the hairpin quite as well as you were. Um, and so I, I benefited from the draft, your draft, which was fast. I qualify eighth. I couldn't get back to you and get back around you for you to get a full lap in my draft. You only, I think, got a half a lap. I think I passed you on the entrance into turn number three, the the, the horseshoe. So you're able to follow me for a little bit, but uh, I felt bad. I ended up qualifying eighth. You qualified 19th. Still pretty good qualifying times based on a, a 55 cart field. Yeah, because you got to remember we're at practice too. We were sitting eighth and ninth overall with people who had transponders on, and we were. We thought we were looking pretty good. We thought we had the ability to both be in the top 10 uh, by the time qualifying got over. That's that's the other thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, the bump drafting. Um, obviously, practice, it was, you know, go at it, go at it. And then you, they, you got to qualifying and it was nobody touches anybody. And so that that was kind of the mindset that we were like, OK, we just have to work together and stay yeah. in each other's drafts to be able to be, to get in that top 10 while you were, as you said, you got, you got the benefit of it because of the way that we got kind of shuffled apart. Uh, I didn't get the benefit. So I was 19th yet knowing I had the ability to be in the top 10. And so I think that's something they hope, hopefully they look at because if, if we're going to bump draft th- throughout the entire weekend, I don't see what the difference is in qualifying because it just, it kind of, it, it, it's kind of like playing checkers when you're supposed to be playing chess. It, it, it was interesting because I know a couple of times I got a little too deep and tapped the guy in front of me when I was trying to get back to you. Um, it, 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 and same thing in the Ignite category. It was weird because, you're, yeah, you're, you're pushing like crazy, and instead you're kind of off the throttle and you're, you're, you're half throttling it or, 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 or uh, you know, kind of leaning on the brake a little bit, whatever it may be. But, yeah, it was. I thought qualifying was interesting. And it's, and it's, and it's uh, subject to, to uh, judgment. It, 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 I mean – what one person sees, another person sees differently. So it's not, is it, are they pushing? Or as you said, is a guy just getting in the back of him because he screwed up the corner and rather than swerving around him and losing pace, he just hit the back of him. Yeah. So it, it's very judgmental in how you can call that as a race director. Now, I'm not saying they did a terrible job. Um, not at all. I mean, it's that qualifying session, though, is one of the hardest things to judge and to officiate with with bumping and and pushing so heat race i ended up finishing 15th i went backwards uh you came forward a spot to 18th position pre-final uh on um we only got the five lap pre-final i was kind of in the middle of a battle i got one spot i ended up finishing 14th yeah i think you were 15th were you in in the pre-final well the heat race and the pre-final both starts i sucked that's just put it out there. I was terrible. I think in the heat race, I fell back to like 25th or 27th even, and then got myself back up into 18th. Same thing in the pre-final, but I don't think I lost as many spots. And then this time I was able to catch up to you and help push you, I believe, to the 14th position because we finished uh, nose and tail in that race. Were you, I don't think you, were you ever close to, to get right up, push me? I don't know if you, I thought you, I thought you made a pass. I can't remember that. Part. I'm trying to think. No, I was on your bumper. Yeah, me too. Yep, because it was a five. Okay. It was well, a five 14, lap dash, five and lap. I was able to catch up. We, I get our group was able to yeah. catch up to you, I believe, uh, there. And yes, we. I have the results in front of me. Oh, that's and this is. I believe that was the start. Uh, 
it was just, that start of one of the starts when again it was in the two six masters category that Dolly I said it was in, in in ignite it wasn't it was in masters uh, that Dolly and I got hung out to dry on the outside went way back I went way back uh, you went back and I went back because everybody just, you know we came out of turn two we're on the inside they all end up you know guys going across the grass and, and Jeff and I just couldn't get back across and we kind of just watched the guys all stream inside us uh, at that point too that got it. Yeah, because I remember, remember, you went by me at the start of the prefinal. Dolly and I, I were did. on the outside. Yep. You went by me. I I was able to I was able to get back up to the front of my group, and you were yeah. in front of me. And then you dropped the wheel coming through turn number five on the outside. I rolled up behind you, and and didn't go by you in the hairpin. I probably could have, but I wanted to give you a hand a little bit. And so you and I hooked up and pushed away a little bit. And then I passed you on the final lap into the into the S's. That's how. Yeah, that, I, I wasn't able to watch that onboard yet because again, I just found the GoPro. So <laughs> found the GoPro. I would I would have remembered that after after watching the the GoPro footage. But in that race, mind you, our because again, our last lap, our our fastest lap was that last lap. I helped push you to the uh, the finish line, did. and we we were within one thousandth of a of a second right. in our fast That's lap. Right. So That's right. That's right. But yeah, it's, listen, you had a great run because you know you had a good, you had a decent start in that one. I, I got hosed. I did because I, me and I think I was on the hosed. outside that race. You were, and you were on the you inside were. because you didn't want to be on the inside because you you thought no. you had to slow it down and you didn't. You really could have just went through there flat out and still gotten through it without uh, any issues. So yeah, it was it was it, it was challenging to get through the starts because and I will say I you know everybody was pretty good at it, but you were you're always expecting to see the shit show that happens <laughs> and it didn't happen <laughs> so, in our, and it didn't happen in our class, at least in front of us. No, true enough. So the start of the main event, obviously a 14 lapper for the Briggs 206 masters. I got a, I got a pretty good start. Um, push nicely. Uh, some of the chaos around me. Um, I ended up coming. I want to say, I, I want to say, I think I came out in around 10th position, something like that. Uh, an incident. We, we were kind of all lining up. Everything was good. We all were running smart. We, we built a bit of a gap. When I look back, there was, I think I had a bit of a gap. Oh, a couple guys behind me, but then a bit of a gap for the next group. Uh, then there was an incident uh, in turn in the hairpin. A couple guys got collected in the hairpin, and we, we, we leaned through. And I, the funny thing for me is uh, eventually I kind of slotted in, in the ninth right behind Jake Collison. Jake's uh, – I've raced against Jake for 20, probably 20-plus 20 years at the Waterloo Regional Car Club. He was, uh, he's been a, a core member. He and his family core – uh, part of the foundation of the Waterloo Regional Car Club, where I started racing in 1995. Now we just laughed about the fact that here I am. You know, I, I'm in California. I fly to Indianapolis. I'm going to race this event, and I end up racing against the guy who lives in the same city as me. <laughs> he lives in Cambridge here in Ontario, and he and I hooked up. Uh, I eventually went by him. I thought I was a bit quicker. I went by him, so we were running at that point eighth and ninth. Uh, and you know, every you know, every once in a while, you'd have a look over your shoulder and be coming out of two maybe coming out of the, the left-hander after the hairpin, like, who's behind me? What have I got going? Do we have a, any kind of a gap? Well, there was a group of five guys that were teaming up and streaming. And it's all about we, – we talked about the draft being so important at the track. I felt really good with my cart. Jake was pretty quick. He was pushing me. But two guys is no, no match for five guys who are working together. And they eventually caught us coming out of the horseshoe into the right-hander. Uh, two guys went by me coming in. Uh, I kind of got uh, a little contact. I ended up going, I think, probably two wheels off and kind of high-centered a bit on the exit. I came back on behind Jake, and Jake just looked at me and shrugged his shoulders. There's nothing he could do because they they had passed him on the entrance 
into the horseshoe. He knew he knew I was screwed at that point. So fell back. Uh, he and I kind of hooked up again at the end, 11th and 12th. I wasn't in a position to make a move, but I ended up, ended up finishing 12th position. So for me, I didn't get a chance to see you, but you were in, obviously embroiled in your own battle and, and some and, and scraps yourself, got into a couple. Of, you'll talk about the issue you had to deal with, which is crazy. But for me, pretty happy coming home with a 12th, although I would like to have had the 8th. I think would have been maybe quite a bit more happy. Yeah, I think to be uh, in contention for a top 10 finish in a 55-cart field, I think that's it's pretty respectable for not racing in in two years. It was uh, really a solid run for you. And as you said, I think I think if either of our carts were in a better capable hands, it probably would have had the ability to win without a doubt. <laughs> true enough, true enough. So, okay, let's talk about your race because obviously you're behind me at the start. Um talk about the chaos you had to deal with which was kind of crappy yeah i think it was one of my better starts i think having those two races beforehand kind of helped gain gain my momentum my confidence a little bit more so i kind of got through that uh, turn two complex a little bit quicker a little bit of a of an issue i believe at the hairpin and i saw your group you had your group in front of me i was sitting 15th on the second lap and a cart decided to to fall off a little bit and we caught him and then he he kind of screwed me up going in through uh turn three the, the my favorite corner and a couple of carts pushed him past me so i was like sitting uh, you know 16th or something like that and we get through the hairpin and we're going down the i believe um the access road i can't remember the name of the street now but uh, it goes to that as you said that that fast flat out right hander and as we're getting to the apex, he raises his hand and his engine shuts off or shuts down or or some type of malfunction with it. And behind me, I yeah, fuel pump. I think behind me, I have ten carts pushing me through the corner. <laughs> so my my philosophy was to get off of it, try not to kill him, try not to kill me, waving my hands frantically like a schoolgirl. Just get off me, leave me alone. And all I saw were the walls that we go in between uh, to go to turns eight and nine. I, I just, it just, it was the oh shit moment. And it really it freaked me out. Um, it doesn't look as bad on the video now that I've watched it, but it was still tight. You know, again, you got 10 guys pushing you through the corner and it was very hectic and it just, Flat out, in a flat out, Dave, flat out corner to, to, to fill people in. Flat out corner. That's probably the for us the bumpiest part of the racetrack, right? We're like the, our cart. Yeah, yeah, it's probably our cars you know, are 50, 55 miles per hour. And you know, I'm trying not to push the guy off and 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 smash him into the wall. I'm trying not to get smashed into a wall. So I dropped down to I believe 22nd after we get through that uh, that fast left and right. Finally catching my breath, like okay, made it through let's drive with terror and get my ass back up there again. So uh, we, I did the best I could, but midway through, I got, I got a number of positions over the next couple of laps, but, and it seemed like the engine kind of lost power. So we, we think like maybe some dirt got into the carburetor or something because it just was not pulling down that access road like it was before. And guys were just, just gollop, just swallowing me. And so I kind of lost a couple more positions there. Finally, it came back to life and just worked my way frantically. I was 13th on the final lap, uh, but I lost two positions uh, there. I almost lost more, but was able to gain a couple back. 
uh, as we came to the to the uh, checkered flag and ended up finishing 15th. Yeah, all in all, Dave, with a, with a field of 55, I'm pretty happy with the, the 12th for me and the 15th for you, knowing knowing for sure that w- with more seat time, you and I, I think could have been running in the top 10, if not better. But bottom line is, uh, big thanks to everyone at Comet because those carts were great. I felt super comfortable. Again, a lot of it, I think, came down to racecraft. I would have probably made a couple of minor, you know, now looking in hindsight, maybe a, a little bit of a minor adjustment. I was, I struggled getting through the hairpin as good as I think I needed to. I don't think I struggled badly. I was faster than a lot of guys getting through the hairpin, but, you know, to, to run where I was trying to run, I just wasn't able to keep that speed out of the hairpin. Now, maybe I, maybe we needed to adjust the clutch a little bit, whatever it was, but, uh, oh, no, I'm pretty happy with the 12th. Uh, and, again, as you know, you could have run higher up even than you did and you don't have the issues you had. Yeah, it's it's funny to watch the video and and to see uh, the different lines that I did actually end up taking through the hairpins and which ones worked and which ones didn't. And, you know, a lot of it had to do with just track position and who who were you around. And, yeah. and so it's funny to see how how the cart would react and the, and the clutch and the engine combination would react. Uh, trying to get through that that combination of corners and uh you know some worked some didn't and some you just hoped for for another bump in the back to get you going <laughs> that's exactly yeah coming out you come out of the left hand you're back on the access road uh right by the grandstands that the, the kind of started the grandstands on the inside coming out of uh out of indy turn four uh yeah you're just waiting for that bump you, you wanted the bump instead of like three guys trying to drive around the outside of you that's uh, yeah. that was kind of the deal because again the draft is so important all in all, good weekends for both David and I. Uh, let's jump into the EK and Trackside Live race calendar. We're going to do a bit of a wrap-up after this, but again, more races still to come. Never ends for David and I. we got a lot of races coming up. And This edition of the calendar for the EK and Trackside Live is brought to you by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IME engines, tillet seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a helping hand at a weekday test outing or at a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit Franklin Kart. Dot com. All right, David, no rest for the wicked. Uh, I'm actually heading, as soon as we're done the podcast here, I'm heading into Toronto for the IndyCar race. Uh, but after that, home for three days, and I'm off with my helmet again, thankfully, to the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event, rounds number three and four at the Amarillo Kart Circuit in Amarillo, Texas. It's going to be running in the 206 Masters class. And on Friday night, Mark French and I, man in the grill, as we've got a barbecue, a complimentary barbecue for all the drivers coming to Amarillo. Drivers, family, crew, everybody. everybody's going to enjoy some good old cooking from Rob Howden. But I, I think it's more so who are you racing with that weekend that's really going to help you in your race craft? Well, I got to find out. I, I don't think you know, the entries are still coming in. We're still a ways away. And you know how people enter nowadays. It takes them forever. No, I meant the team. Uh, if, I meant the team. Oh, ooh, yes. Well, first of all, here's the deal. If, um, if I don't get enough guys in 206 Masters, I may just run 206 Senior. We'll see. But, yes, I'm racing with Alan Rudolph with uh, Speed Sports Racing Academy uh, or Speed Sports Racing Park and the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. For the first time in 25 years, I get a chance to actually have Alan Rudolph, to a certain extent, as my coach on a Burrell. I'm pretty happy. 
Well, hopefully, you know, his his knowledge will help you. Uh, it'll sink in. It'll stay with you for a year. <laughs> so that way, when we go back to the brickyard, you're able to race for the for the podium. That's true. That's true. And again, we're, you know, Alan uh, offered up the Burrell, one of it. Actually, it's one of his school carts from the school, which is great. So uh, you'll see more coverage on that when we do get to Texas. Uh, weekend after that, again, I'm back on. I think I, I think I'm at Mid Ohio with IndyCar, David. But you are off to your first of what three trips this year to Newcastle? Four. Four. I just counted. Yeah, four. Because we have uh, United States Pro Kart Series coming up that, as you said, July 26, 27, 28. Yeah. Uh, that finale will be at Newcastle. We also have Summer Nationals, which will be coming up uh, two weeks after that. That'll be our next ECAN Trackside Live event, August 9, 10, and 11. Scusa Pro Tour will be closing out their season there at, with the Summer Nationals. But you add in the WK manufacturers cup series going to newcastle and then you throw in the cup carts north america grand nationals three that we will be going head to head in again so four trips to newcastle this year you and i'll probably be banging out another this weekend carding pretty soon david but but now we're talking about the summer nats one quick little bit of news that came out they actually elected to uh kind of revise that racetrack right they came up with a brand new racetrack they called the super mile they're actually gonna i think they're adding the technical part back in is that is that indeed the case that's the case. All right. We'll talk more about that later. All right, David, let's wrap up this uh, EKN debrief a little bit different as you and I talk a lot about our own racing. We didn't get a chance to, to, to really follow the racing as we normally do. Let's wrap things up. Uh, fourth, USAC Battle of the Brickyard. It will not be the same weekend because NASCAR is invading the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to run their July 4th event. Uh, the rumor is potentially two weeks later. I like that. I can make that date open. And I think uh, hopefully the rest of the karting community will kind of work around that because, again, we want as many racers to be part of that program, especially grassroots. So all the different tracks uh, throughout the uh, the Midwest, the East Coast, and even West Coast guys who uh, are interested in, in heading out and racing again inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just something that uh, you can only say you've ever done if you've done it. It's a bucket list race for sure. Like, come on. It's just – I didn't – you know, I, I really wanted to do it, but I think once I got there, once we got into it, it was just, it, it became, I don't want to say I was emotional about it, but it was just, I, it, there was emotion of being there and being part of the event. I, did you feel the same way? Well, yeah, we had our struggles, but you're leaving happy because we're racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. Um, you know, That's and <laughs> if you don't set your bar high, it helps. <laughs> and we never do, right? <laughs> so, okay. Provided the weekend's open for us next year, you're now going for sure. Uh, the, the difference is what, what are we going to race? I'm not. So I kept saying that I wouldn't like I, that. I did too many races, right? Cause I was in my vintage card as well. I drove my 1992 Margay uh, expert two that Mike Birdsell built for me. So I was, I did a couple sessions of that. I, I almost wanted to do double duty again. I think, <laughs> I think double duty is the way to go because it provides, especially in the Briggs category, it provides you that extra track time to get comfortable, understand yeah. working with who you want to work with. And stuff like that. I don't think we're necessarily able to do. I mean, maybe we can do a heavy and a masters. I think that would probably work the best. Uh, that way, you're in the same cart. Because for you, it was probably a little bit of a div, a bit of a challenge going from from the ignite to uh, to the comet because you had to go from tent to tent. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit, you know that that and the heat kind of d- it didn't help. I need to get into better shape. But, that's for sure. And I was going back and forth between different tires as well, which is one of the things, of course. 
But all these tag guys keep talking crap to us that we can't handle it. So that's why I almost think, you know, maybe a tag masters race, you know, maybe, Damn, maybe, maybe we do a, maybe we do a Briggs masters and a, and a tag masters. Well, I'm, I'm hitting the gym then for that. If I'm going tag racing, I'm going to hit it. I got to hit the gym. <laughs> no doubt. I thought you did. I thought you did the hashtag beat. Dude, David Cole I, and you've listen, done that I hate, I hit the gym hard to hashtag beat David Cole, which I hashtag did, but Seriously, I, I if we're gonna, I, I want to be in even better shape next year. I gotta lose another ten pounds and get in better shape. That's my that's my call. But the problem is we can't lose weight because yeah, we may be better shape, but we can't lose weight because we needed twenty five pounds just to make the masters. Well, weight. thankfully, Margay Ignite, the masters was three was three seventy. It was three eighty five in the Briggs two hundred six masters class. And man, we both had twenty something pounds on our carts. That's that's. They may, I'd like to see them look at that. If you're 200 pounds and you got 30 pounds on your cart, maybe a little high on the weight. I'd love, I'd love to know how many guys actually need, didn't need to put weight on. That's interesting. Well, when the scales don't work, it's hard to, to judge that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to cap this thing off. USAC and their karting program back at it again, August 9th and 10th, under the lights at the Elkhart Riverwalk Grand Prix in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, should be an amazing event under the lights, as as I said, something a little bit different here for 2019. David Cole, I'm all, I am already looking forward to 2020. Uh, I'm so glad that we were able to be part of the Battle of the Brickyard. The event has been the same weekend as the IndyCar race in Iowa for the first two years of its existence, so I wasn't able to come. I was always working uh, with Road to Indy and, and IndyCar Radio at, at Iowa. They moved Iowa. This weekend came available. I was super happy when it happened, and I'm, I'm even more happy now because, man, I just – I had such a good time. It was just such a great event. Great event. Can't wait to uh, to be part of it again. Thank you again to Comet, Gary, Mark, Colton. Even Garrett Adams helped us out a, a little bit there on Saturday and Friday. Uh, thank you again to Chris Wheeler, Margay Racing, everybody under that tent uh, for allowing uh, us to be part of that as well, too. Yeah, I'm going to say this right now. We talked about 2020. I will do anything I can to be a part of the the, uh, the Margate Night program again because I really, really enjoyed that. I really, I want another shot at the Margate Night win, the Masters win, because I get some more seat time. We got some good speed. I'd love to see if I can go after you know at least a podium. Uh, I don't want to say that I'm I'm going to be able to run with Scharf and, and Totenhop and these guys that are so good and, and race so much, but and I, I'd love to have another shot at it because I had a ton of fun running with Margay and that whole crew. Big shout out to Keith Freeber, Greg Dingus, Sean Kennedy, everybody. Mike Birdsell, of course, my legendary tuner. Mike, 72 years young. Uh, the guy's a, uh, guy's never stops, you know, mighty mouse just does not stop. And, uh, it was cool, David, to have, to have Mike there because, you know, we were talking about tuning on the cart. What can we change? Some of the stuff was just Mike leaning over and giving me just a little, you know, a couple of words of wisdom before each session and it was uh it's not something i'll ever forget it's very cool you just needed a couple mile story and you'll be good to go (laughs) all right folks we are done this is it for this edition of the ekn debrief the battle of the brickyard was an awesome one if you didn't go in the first three editions i tell you this right now it's a bucket list put it on your schedule for 2020 on behalf of david cole my name is rob howden bye for now (laughs) 